Welcome to the Imaginal Inspirations podcast with me, David Lorimer, where I talk to my guests about experiences, people and books that have shaped their lives and work. Imaginal cells are responsible for the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly, which is the Greek symbol for the soul. These cells are dormant in the caterpillar, but at a critical point of development, they create the new form and structure which becomes the butterfly. My guest today is Dr. Rosie Daniel, and the last time we saw each other was at the 70th birthday celebration in Canterbury for the Prince of Wales. Rosie is a holistic doctor, health coach, workplace wellness consultant, broadcaster, speaker, teacher, and author, specializing in new paradigms for proactive health creation. She practices at her Bath Clinic, where she guides the regeneration of positive health for those with cancer, heart disease, diabetes, depression, overweight, arthritis, and stress-related illnesses, which I think is what we call the diseases of civilization. Her healthcare approach combines sensitive, compassionate warmth in her own style of highly personalized holistic medicine. Rosie was medical director of the Bristol Cancer Help Center, now Penny Brown Cancer Care, whose patron is the Prince of Wales. After leaving the Bristol Center, she set up Health Creation, offering motivational health coaching and consultancy for individuals and in the workplace. Rosie developed a unique coaching approach known as life energy management for individuals and organizations that wish to achieve peak performance and fulfillment in life to live and work with high vitality, health and well-being. In 2007, Rosie became project leader of the Health and Wellbeing Trust charity to train doctors and nurses in integrative medicine. In 2021, so this year, very recently, the charity opened its health e-learning platform, taking its educational work digital, thereby increasing access to people worldwide to some of the world's finest holistic health teachers, opening within the charity, the International College of Regenerative Health. She's inviting your subscription support and engagement via www.healthelearning.online. Rosie is a passionate advocate for positive health and environmental protection through the promotion of the full potential of conscious living based upon developing our emotional, physical, spiritual and ecological intelligence. Her own health and well-being stems from a lifelong practice of yoga. She's a dedicated health activist working with the determination to promote healthy change for the sustainability of people and planet. She's patron of the British Wheel of Yoga and the Healing Trust, placing the highest value on ancient metaphysical wisdom and the power of spiritual healing. So Rosie, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) And I'd like to start with asking you about a shaping moment involving your choice of work. Thank you, David, so much. And hello to anybody who's listening to this. So as a young person, I grew up in a very medical family, mum and dad, GPs, brother, grandfather, aunt and two uncles. And I wanted to do almost anything other than be a doctor. So I was heading off in another direction, but my best friend had an irritable bowel condition. And I noticed the way that it fluctuated with her state of mind. So if she was upset, 
conflicted, anxious, it flared up terribly. If she was happy, excited and in love, I saw that it would calm down. And I was witnessing the mind-body connection in front of my eyes. So that got me really, really curious, set me off on a journey to look for any model of health that was including the state of mind. And it took me, after a long search, towards acupuncture, where the mentals are included, and along a very long winding path until I eventually found the Bristol Cancer Help Centre, where all the lights went on and I found a model of healthcare, which was, I think that that particular shaping moment was about the mind body connection. But when I got to Bristol, I, I found the spirits matter connection. You know, it was, it was even more profound than what I'd been witnessing. And um, having been started as a spiritual healing centre by the amazing canon Christopher Pilkington and his wife, Pat, I, I found an incredibly beautiful and profound model of health and healing. So that was really a turning point for me that got me on the track. I realised uh, in order to pursue a career in holism that I would need to be qualified as a doctor. So altogether, that shaping moment uh, took 13 years of training to uh, get me on the holistic medicine path. Yes, and I believe um, now my next question was about an influential mentor or teacher. And I believe Pat, Pat Pilkington may be that person or was there someone else that you'd like to mention? Well, too, really. Pat Pilkington yeah. was probably the most loving being I've ever met. She stayed very sotto voce. She would also say, don't frighten the horses and would keep herself back with her twin set and pearls and, and, and be. But, but actually, I, Pat was a Gnostic. She had an absolutely palpable sense of the divine her relationship with Christ would move her to tears and she lived her spirituality and I had the great um, privilege in the last couple of years of my life to become her amanuensis and 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 help her write down well I, I did the writing of, of of what it was um, that she knew what it was that she was channeling in in her own devotional relationship to life and the way that she would, for example, with her healing groups that she would run at the Cancer Help Centre, she would spend about a week creating the morphic field through prayer, through intention, through love, through the calling in of an angel for every single person in that group. So it was quite incredible to see the level of dedicated faith and love in action that, that Pat personified. The second major teacher mm. for me was Ramdas actually, um, and as a very young, green, slightly confused person seeking which way was up, some retreats that I did with, with Ramdas in the 80s were incredibly helpful for me. One of the things I remember that he said was, um, all of you people, uh, that there are only two jobs that human beings have to do, you're somebody training and you're nobody training. And he said, the problem with all of you people on the growth path is you're trying to do your nobody training before you've finished your somebody training. Wow. And he said, he said you, you wouldn't be incarnated as humans if you didn't have to work with and through your humanity. So because at that point, I was thinking maybe I need to sit still and meditate and, and try not to make any noise in the Akasha. 
And he said to me, Rosie, if you did that, you'd make more noise in the Akasha trying to sit still than you would, you know, being the medical director of the Bristol Cancer Help Centre. So get on and live your humanity. That's such interesting advice, because often if you, you can have a spiritual bypass, can't you, by not developing a strong sense of self and then trying to transcend it before you've actually developed it. And, and he would say that that ends you up in a state of spiritual materialism because you're taking all your ego needs into your spirituality. So it was incredibly helpful advice for me to really get on and, and do what I've come here to do. And I think you also work with our mutual friend, Hertha Reeve, um, at, at, the, at the Bristol Cancer Self Centre. She was somebody who, who was very helpful to me in terms of of giving me some guidance and, and uh, we, we, we had a lot of conversations and seminars together. Well, Bristol certainly attracted um, some very alive and incredibly tuned in people. So being part of that community in the early days and, and I would have to honor Penny Bron, amazing creative intelligence in actually really defining the model of holistic medicine in the cancer sphere, which, which has turned out to be rock solid now in terms of all the evidence that's come over the intervening years. And the patients themselves, or the clients, the people with cancer, whose journey along that edge of life and death, and the, the immense privilege and, and learning that comes from walking the path with people who are living on that existential edge has um, been an enormous teaching for me. Yes, I mean, that's deepening in itself. And then coming on to uh, books that have um, shaped your life and thinking, many of my guests say, well, I can't just give you one book I'll have to give you a few I don't know how, how, how you are going to approach this well this I'm going to just mention that I could mention many but this little book um, that I've got here is called Emmanuel's book and oh, yeah. it's the channeled teachings of Emmanuel that were channeled by a lady called Pat Rodegast and um, every page of this book pours love it's, it's so full of love and so full of, of um, higher vibrational energy that if, if I lose my altitude for <laughs> one yeah. reason or another, this is a book that I can always turn to and um, it, it pops me back up through the clouds. How, how fascinating. It's not, I've heard of the book, but it's not, not one that I've actually read myself. Um, so thank you very much for that recommendation. We'll, we'll uh, put that in the, in the show notes, as it were. Mm -hmm. And then what about a key moment of insight in your work um, in relation to, to the nature of consciousness? Well, we were very blessed in those days at Bristol to have a chairman who I think is really an angel, a man called Peter Wallace. And he really was both in himself very tuned in, but also brought with him the blessing of a channel called Joseph. But in terms of having him as my boss, you know, when, when I was medical director and he was chairman, I'd go to him with problems of this is happening, that's happening, you know, such and such has said this. And he'd say, Rosie, Rosie, what would love do now? So, you know, whenever <laughs> I lost the plot, he would just tune me straight back into the point. But one of his dear friends was channeling an angel called Joseph. And we had the opportunity to go and speak to the um, Secretary of State for Health about um, potential help for the Bristol Cancer Health Centre charity. 
So we said to Joseph, you know, how do we play this? What should we do? And he said, um, it's not the Baroness, Baroness Cumberledge, that you really need to talk to. It's the, it's the person two to her left with the glasses on. And we, that, you know, life went on, forgot all about it and went to the meeting. Very hot day. It was all a bit crazy because of the last minute we had to change venue. We were hot, flustered, you know, piling into this room. Very random in inverted commas. And all trembling like leaves because this was all very high and mighty. And um, I said to the Baroness, you know, we've come to ask for your help, support this new model. And she said, it's not me you need to speak to. It's Andy. And sure enough, two places to her left. (laughs) The guy guy who had the brief to talk about alternative and complimentary was sitting there in his glasses. So, you know, it, it just in that moment, you think, oh, my goodness, you know, time is an illusion. If, if Joseph saw this meeting six weeks ago, you know, what, what are we all doing? What is this dance we're dancing in life when actually at a different level, all of this has happened before? So, you know, it's, it's moments like that where you jump outside of time and you, you realise that time is, is um, like rain, a rainbow coming out of a prism, you know, that, that, that time is an illusion and that we somehow graciously get to live life in the moment and yet at another level, we know it all already. So your, your life is almost trans-dimensional in, or interdimensional in that sense. So you, you, you see this interplay between you know, the, the invisible realms and, and timelessness and time and so on. So that, that's, that's obviously you know, very present in your life. Indeed. And one of the little quotes I'm going to give you from the Emmanuel's book, because, of course, I've been walking with people towards their their deaths and helping them to fast track their somebody training and their nobody training mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the approach we've taken in, in the work, the transformational work of um, the Bristol Cancer Health Centre and since as a, a physician of the soul, if you will, is helping people to become as true to themselves as they can whilst at the same time being ready to let go of life. And um, a lovely quote from Emmanuel's book is, he says, death is like taking off a tight shoe. Even when you are dead, you're still alive. You do not cease to exist at death, that is only illusion. You go through the doorway of death alive and there is no altering of the consciousness. It is not a strange land you go to, but a land of living reality where the growth process is a continuation. Life and death should not be considered as opposites. It is closer to the truth to speak of dying as an entrance rather than an exit. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, sound, that sounds very coherent and, and kind of familiar to me and also reminds me a little bit of the work that Monica Rentz is doing in Switzerland um, with terminal cancer patients and this moment of transcendence and letting go which mm. I think is part of what needs to happen at that point. Mm. So Pat Pilkington's major teaching was about everlasting life and effectively to take the fear out of death and dying and people who came to the centre used to describe her groups as ro- the rocket fuel 
in, uh, in the whole process because, of course, they were merrily finding out about healthy eating and emotional healing and um, de-stressing and all these things on, on quite a, an earthly plane. But Pat would get people talking about near-death experience and, and um, in every single group of people she had coming there, there was always somebody who'd had that moment of altered consciousness and an understanding of the the nature of their soul and and of uh, what what can happen when we when we go through so people were lucky very lucky to enter into into pat's consciousness and um she did me the enormous honor of call, calling me her fourth child so mm. she was really both a mentor and a spiritual godmother to me yes i think that's a wonderful role to play and also to have played played for one so the, the next question is really follows on very much from what we've been talking about, which is about how your understanding of consciousness in, influences the way you live your life. I think you've almost answered the question already, but mm. I'll give you, give you a chance to say something more. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I suppose every moment is a, is a privilege and, and such a blessing to be in this body experiencing this life. So I have that um, incredible privilege to be able to connect with other people and to do that sort of soul review, look at where we are in our soul contracts and what the learning is really. So I think Pat would always in any situation, however grim, say, okay, what am I learning here? So it's, I think uh, that's the attitude that it's given me that this is always a uh, a maturation of the soul and every single thing that we every single thing that we experience and create is in some way the next necessary lesson absolutely to which yeah. we need to be grateful whatever these are do you have a sense of a blueprint in your life as i certainly do i i feel i know whether i'm not on whether i'm on track or not uh, in terms of kind of soul intent that I arrived with does that make sense to you well as a child I know I felt very impatient to be an adult I felt like a stranger in a strange land in my family the thing that I resonated with most strongly at that time were the the teachings of Christ in the church that my mother used to take me to those those felt like sacred moments, those moments in the church. And I think when I was at school, I discovered the power of prayer and I started to put together the fact that focus and intentionality would help things to, to manifest. But, you know, in amongst all of this, my childhood was quite a traumatic one. And um, I popped out at the end of it very confused. Um, but I think I became what I would call a, a love-seeking missile. I've in a way been a serial adoptee of a, first a Jewish family, then a Hindu family, and then the Pilkington family, because my own family was just a little bit of a mixed up mess. So there's been that sense of, of, of being an outsider, but also always trying to make sense of it all and in so doing finding enormous loving kindness uh, through the people who've been my teachers and the people who've supported and mentored me and enabled me to grow in confidence to be able to provide that loving blueprint for others 
and and a sense of use the word missile, um, but just but the sense of being guided as well. Um, I think is is coming across or comes across in what you've been saying, and that's part of what I I suppose I was I was getting at. But obviously there are different models one can use for mm. mm. these issues. And then coming coming towards the end, is there a proverb you live by, or do you have a favourite quote? You've given us one already, but maybe you have another passage or. Well, this is a very brief one. I found in, in my uh, searchings and trying to make sense of it all, a, a very short little book, which was just called On Love. And this chap argued himself uphill, down dale, around the mulberry bush in terms of, you know, how can it be that the, the, the thing that is so exquisitely necessary for our souls and life and uh, growth is so incredibly painful if we lose it, if we drop out of love, if we, you know, find ourselves abandoned or forsaken. And his final paragraph was that, you know, the thing we have to remember with love is to take hold tightly and let go lightly. Ah, so, so yeah. Take hold tightly and let go lightly. Yeah. I'm so sure anything. I'll, I'll... I'm sure our listeners will will be able to take that one to heart. Yeah, because if you love something, you know, love it with all your heart and give it your all and be ready at this, you know, the the moment to let go lightly. So hopefully when we all reach our moment of um, of passing, that that's what we can do, that we're not hanging on emotionally to our life and our, our people, but that we just can surrender and uh, just light as a feather, let go lightly. And live to the full, but let it go when the time comes. And then, Rosie, what about, would you give any advice to your younger self? Do you have any advice you would give to your younger self? Oh, just that you're loved and you're on the right path and you will find your way to the heart of life and loving, loving family. It's not going to be your birth family but you are part of a a bigger family, a bigger tribe, and um, you can't possibly imagine the richness that's coming for your life. What a wonderful note to end on, Rosie. Thank you so much. And I encourage people to look at the show notes and go to your site, your new healthelearning.online. And uh, we'll put put some of your books up as well. And I'm sure um, our listeners will want to know more about you and your work. So it's been a real treat to spend this time with you bless your heart david thank you so much for everything you do thank you